Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Thank you for tuning in today. Today we are continuing in our Beauty of Grace series with the next episode and lesson that we'd like to bring to you. We have looked at many things about this great grace of our Lord. It is not something cheap. It is not something to be compromised or watered down or devalued. It is powerful. And we have seen that over all of these various messages, all the way from the need for grace to begin with to God's provision of it and how we receive it, what it means to us once we receive it. We have talked about many elements of this. And in the last several episodes, we've been looking at how God in his grace also invites us in participation in his service and confers upon us gifts of the Holy Spirit that we are to then use. He's crafted us to do certain jobs to serve him in his church. We've seen how we're all one body, but we are many members. We've seen how we can move forward into service because Jesus' blood has also cleansed our conscience as well as our sins by removing them and washing them away from us. We have seen in the last episode the consecration of grace, how we the church, Jesus' followers, are consecrated to serve him with our gifts being cleansed thoroughly, even in our conscience, and having beautiful feet to now go and spread the good news like someone else with beautiful feet did for us on the first day when we came to know him to begin with. So today we're going to take this particular section of the Beauty of Grace series and bring this part of it to a conclusion, if you want to call it that, or just sort of wrap up this aspect of the Beauty of Grace. There's more studies yet to come. There's more beauties of grace for us to observe. But I don't want to leave this topic without doing this one final message that the Lord impressed upon my heart. So we're going to see that God has crafted us for specific ministry jobs, called us, equipped us, cleansed and consecrated us. And so now we want to consider what the job is, what our service is, what are we commissioned to do. So we're going to talk today about the commission of grace. And yes, part of this may be what you would expect, but I believe you're going to be blessed to listen to this entire message because the Lord has given me some other things to weave into this message. Praise be to God. So first, let's remember, we're going to first look at our overarching commission that applies to every Christian, every follower of Jesus, every disciple of the Lord, everyone and the whole of us together. In any area, any fellowship, any community, every single one. And so to do that, we're going to start out with the familiar scriptures of the Great Commission given by the Lord himself. So we're going to begin today in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18. And it says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So the Great Commission, in summary, is to go. That may mean physically go, such as missionaries may do when they go to other lands, or or maybe it's to go in your neighborhood or to go to an area in where you live, your community, and do some kind of ministry. It may mean that you go through your words, through radio broadcasts, through preaching online, through podcasts and episodes and broadcasts of some kind. It may mean that you go through the writing of your words that you produce in books, in studies, in series, whatever. There are many ways that we can go. It may mean that you go to your children and you are going and you are praying with them in their beds at night. You are teaching them the word of God around your table. You are talking about the Lord at your dinner table. There are many ways to go and to preach the gospel and make disciples by teaching them to observe what Jesus has taught us. This is our overarching commission. And in the process of that, we also baptize people as the opportunity prevails, as new Christians are born again of the Spirit of God and enter the family of God. So there are many ways for us to fulfill this. And we're going to look a little bit more at that, but I also want to read Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is our overarching great commission applicable to every Christian everywhere in whatever gifting you have, in whatever talent God has given you, your overarching commission is that you are to go and preach the gospel and make disciples teaching them the things of God. To preach the gospel means to proclaim it, to publish or declare it. It's a herald. It's similar to a public crier or a town crier in the olden days when they would herald, news, news, hear ye, hear ye, listen. I've got good news. I've got the news to bring to you. And so we are to herald the good news, the gospel. What good news is that? It's about Jesus' first coming. It's about this beauty of grace, this message of grace that, yes, you're a sinner, but I've got a solution for you. i got somebody I can introduce to you. Jesus Christ came and he paid the ransom for your sin because he loved you. God loved you that much. He gave his only son for you. It's that communication of grace. If you remember, we covered some of these things in those first early episodes of this series. It's telling other people about Jesus. It's telling them how they can be saved, how they can repent, because they're going in a direction that's going to lead them to death following sin and bondage. But if they will turn, if they will turn around, if they will do a 180, they will come from sin to Jesus. They will leave a dead life and death ahead and bondage and sin and enter into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let me try to express this to you with this clip from another message that I have taped and may 
be able to broadcast before too long. But I believe this will expound on this a little bit more and help you understand what I'm saying here. It's interesting when you look back in the scriptures, you'll see in places like Genesis 4:26, where it talks about when men began to call on the name of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. It's like they began to meet him and have a relationship with him. They began to know him, not just know about him. This was in that third generation from Adam. And then we go on down to Genesis 12, 8, where God calls out to Abraham. And Abraham responds by calling on the name of the Lord. He responds by taking that introduction and saying, yes. And what did he begin, what did he later be called in the scriptures? He was called the friend of God. He knew God intimately. He started to know this God. He started to have a personal relationship with this God from that encounter. And he called on the name of the Lord. So it's talking about to establish an actual relationship to begin a friendship with somebody. Think about that for a minute. Think about it. We, we sing the song. We're called a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. What about from God's perspective? Are you his friend? Have you ever thought about God wants you to be in a friendship with him? In a relationship with him that is a friend-to-friend encounter? A friend-to-friend relationship? In Romans 10, 13, I want to read that to you right now. It says this, Paul picks up on this when he, when he makes this statement. He says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just knowing Jesus, the name of Jesus. It doesn't mean you just call out Jesus Christ. A lot of people call the name of Jesus Christ sometimes when they don't care beans about him. They're using it as a curse word or whatever because they, you know, stump their toe or whatever. But this is talking about somebody that calls out in faith, that encounters him and responds. And so the Bible's telling us that he is called Emmanuel. We can encounter him. We can know him as Emmanuel experientially, personally, and intimately. He is God with us. He is God yoked together with us, God walking with us, God in relationship with us. It's interesting, this week I've been meditating on this, and the Lord's been giving me some insight about what real evangelism really is all about. You know, I could could bring Stephanie up here, for instance, and I could introduce you to Stephanie, because Stephanie's a friend of mine. And I know Stephanie. We go way, way back. Long time. I've known her all of her life because she's younger than I am. (laughs) So I can introduce you to Stephanie because I have a personal relationship with her. Is that not what real evangelism is all about? You take the friend called Jesus whom you know personally and you introduce somebody else to him. I want to pick this up. 
And I saw this this week in a way I had not seen it before as I've been meditating on this thought for evangelism and God being my friend and me being able to introduce somebody else to him like I would a friend that I know personally. And John, the Apostle John, picked up on this, and this is what he's talking about in 1 John chapter 1. He says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. In other words, John is saying here, I know Jesus. I saw him. I walked with him. I was in relationship with him. I heard, I heard what he said personally when he was with the crowds and when he was in private with just us. I know him. I know this man. And he's the one that I'm trying to introduce you to so that you also can have fellowship with him, so that you also can be in a relationship with him, and so that you can have the joy that exceeds because of that. Because David said, restore to me what? The joy of my salvation. There's joy in that. That's what John is saying here. You take the real person, the friend that you know, and his name is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. You take him and you show him and you introduce other people to him. So innate in this great commission that every one of us have this opportunity to introduce people to Jesus Christ is built into it from Matthew and Mark that we read earlier. Jesus' authority, his command to all his disciples he said, I've, I've got all authority. God has given all authority to me. And now I am delegating to you this command. It applies to all of you, my disciples. Jesus' ability is innate in this as well. The grace and the power to tell it in our own unique and individual ways. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the word of the Lord comes to Zerubbabel, who was told he was to build the second temple of the Lord. Herod did take it and embellish it later on, but Zerubbabel was the one who was to build it. And God speaks to him to encourage him and says, It is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the agent of grace. And he tells Zerubbabel, he says, you're going to finish it. You're going to lay the capstone on it with shouts of grace, grace to it, recognizing that it was God's grace that brought him through and helped him and empowered him to do the work, gave him the ability. And it's for God's glory and his glory alone. Innate in this gospel is also the area that we are to serve in everywhere to all nations to all peoples. We're also told about what we're to share, the angle, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ. And we share the aroma, the fragrance of Jesus Christ. 
I want to read right now in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and I want to begin the reading in verse 12. It says this, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. He's talking there about those who refuse Jesus Christ and they don't want to have anything to do with it. They don't like the scent. They don't like the aroma. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. Those are the ones who smell it and it's sweet and it's beautiful and it draws them. And so they desire him. They want to learn about him. They want to learn how can I be in a relationship with him? How can I be one like you that has that beautiful fragrance? So he's talking about diffusing the fragrance of Jesus through our lives and our lifestyle and the beauty of our relationship with him that makes other people want to desire him. When they smell it, they want to desire him. They want to get close to that. They want to know what's the source of that beautiful fragrance. I want it too. This is the summation of our job as Christians as servants of our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, because we are to do exactly what John the Baptist did, point people to Jesus and say to them, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We are just simply Jesus' bondservants. That's what Paul calls himself all through the New Testament. And it comes from the understanding from Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, of a bond slave or a pierced ear slave. I did a message on that in 2021 in my Truth Tidbits series. If you'd like to look that up, it's episode 158 in the remaining lessons through that. For many lessons, we went through the entire book of Romans, but that was one of the very first episodes, if not the first episode of that series. And we talked in detail about bondservant and what it means to be a doulos, what it means to be a bondservant of Jesus. And it comes from Exodus 21, the pierced ear slave, the one who says, I love my master and I want to serve him forever. That is what it's talking about. That's who Paul became. That's who every Christian can become is a bond servant who says, I love you, Jesus, and I want to serve you as long as you give me breath to serve you, as long as you give me strength to serve you. I want to serve you because I love you, a bond slave, a pierced ear slave. So each of us has a part in this service of our King, each one of us as bond servants of the Lord, with our various gifts and talents, as we've discussed in recent episodes in detail, in whatever capacity, arena, and field that God places us in. You are in a family. You, you may be a parent, a grandparent. You may be a sister, a brother, a daughter. You've got a family. 
in whatever capacity, arena, and field God has placed you in, in your family, you can minister and serve the Lord. You can minister to the Lord, to co-workers, not on work time, not stealing from your employer, but making relationships with co-workers and God granting you opportunity to pour into their life. God granting you opportunity to care about them, to build relationships with them, to pray for them, to pray with them, maybe after work, before work, at lunchtime, whatever. You've, you've got a field and an arena to serve in some form of church or ministry opportunity at leisure and recreational things. You can build relationships with other soccer moms, for instance, etc., in your neighborhoods, in your communities. God will lead you to where your field is that you are to serve him. He will place you in that field. And anywhere and in any way that we can touch people's lives for Jesus Christ, always, always seek to invest in them whether they're co-workers, family members, community members, whatever it is, invest in them for eternal purposes and eternal values. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus is speaking and he tells us, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Moth and rust are going to corrupt those. They're going to pass away. But invest your treasures, lay up your treasures in heaven where they will not pass away, where they will not fade, where nothing can steal them or destroy them. Invest your treasures in heaven. How do we do that? We do that by investing in the only commodity that will pass from earth to heaven. And that is people. That is the lives and the souls of men and women, boys and girls that we can pour into for eternal purposes. Whoever, whenever, however, always seek and be sensitive to opportunities that God brings our way in whatever form he brings them. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, I want to read verses 1 and 2. This is the last words of Paul to young Timothy that we know of. As Paul knows that he is, he says so. He says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. My time is almost up. I've run my race. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And now I'm going to, to my reward. I'm going to heaven. Jesus is going to receive me and give me a crown of life. I know that I'm dying. Timothy, these are my last words to you. And they're very, very important. What does he tell Timothy? Second Timothy chapter four, the final letter that we know of, where Paul says his final words to Timothy. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So he's telling Timothy, herald or preach the word of God, the logos, the entirety of it, all of it, not some watered down version, not some of it, but cutting out the rest of it, but you preach all of it. Notice he gives him a warning here in verse one. He says, 
be careful about this. This is a charge I'm leaving with you. It's very important because Jesus is going to judge everything and everyone in that coming day. So he tells Timothy, herald the word of God, the whole of it, not some part of it. And nope, don't you water it down. Because he goes on in the very next verses and he begins to talk about those who will come, who will water it down. Because people want to hear the watered down version. They'll have itching ears. They will not receive the sound doctrine of the whole of the scripture. But you, Timothy, you make sure you keep the faith. You make sure you preach the entirety of God's word. And every Christian today that is called to preach or teach any in any form or fashion of the word of God, take this to heart. This is for us also. We must keep our focus on preaching the word telling the truth, teaching the truth of God's word, not part of it, but all of it. He tells him here, be instant. In other words, be on the ready at any and all times. Stand ready at any moment. Be sensitive and be instant. In season, in other words, when it's opportune or when it's convenient, and out of season, when it's not convenient, and it's not necessarily your opportune time. You be ready at any moment when the Spirit of the Lord gives you an opportunity, in season or out of season. Each of us has to work in our field, and all of us are part of the whole of the building, the church, just like we've looked at in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And we are all fitly joined together. Paul tells us so, in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, the whole of the church, the building that Jesus is going to build, according to Matthew 16, 18, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So we are fitly joined. Every single one of us matters. God has a place for every one of us. Peter called us living stones being built into this spiritual house, so to speak, in his epistle. And so we're like those little bricks, maybe, if you're thinking about, you know, building a house and bricking it in or whatever. There's a spot for your brick, and your brick is needed. We are part of his building, and there's a fitly joined spot for each one of us so that each of us can work in his field. Don't forget that. Go back in these lessons, perhaps, if you need to and remind yourself of some of these things that we have studied about. And let's remember, lastly, as we draw to a close, how we are to serve. We've discussed in several episodes earlier our attitudes, our motives, serving with reverence and humility. I want to draw us to a close today by looking at just a couple of final scriptures here. In Psalm chapter 100, verse 2, it says this, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
This word for gladness is the Hebrew word simchat, and it means gladness and joy. It's talking about merriment, like at a festival. It's talking about exceeding joy and gladness, pleasure, delight. It means a joyous or a happy occasion or celebration. It's talking about with joy. You are excited about it. You're excited that you get to serve the Lord, that you have been crafted with specific gifts and talents, and he has made a place for you to serve in his kingdom, to build up his house, to reach people, and to see that the gospel spreads to them. You are important, my beloved friend. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and a servant of the Lord himself, then serve him with joy. Take great delight, great pleasure, great happiness and joy in serving the Lord. Let it be a joyous occasion to you. And in Psalm chapter 2, verse 11, this is part of instructions that are included in this messianic prophecy chapter in Psalms that speak of the Lord's coming kingdom. And it's a message to the nations to serve him in this way. But this is also applicable to anyone who serves the Lord. Serve him with fear and trembling. In other words, it's not fear like some phobia where, oh my God, I'm scared to death of, of you, Lord, and I can't, I can't do anything. Maybe kind of like that man that was given the one talent. He went and buried it because he, he said, you know, he kind of had this fear, this phobia of it. And God was angry with him because he shouldn't have had that. This is not talking about that kind of fear. It's talking about the fear of the Lord. That that is a good thing. It means reverence and awe of him. Recognition of who he is. Revering him and awing him for his glory, for his goodness, for his greatness, for who he is. And in reverence and awe, thanking him that we even have the opportunity to partner with him and serve him. He doesn't have to use us. He will get his work done with or without us. And if we rebel, he'll get it done through somebody else. Mordecai told Esther that back in the book of Esther. He said, God is going to raise up deliverance from somebody, but don't think you'll escape if you don't answer God's call and do what God has told you to do. So we have to recognize that we have this great privilege to serve him. And so let's serve him with joy and gladness, great pleasure and delight with reverence and awe. Remembering also Paul's warning and admonition that we just read a moment ago in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. God will judge and he will judge rightly for all. For Christians, we look forward to that day because we have the coming Bema seat, judgment of Christ to look forward to. And that's the day when we will give an account of our use of the gifts and talents God gave us to use in his service. I've developed that into a series called the Beaming at the Bema series. If you're interested, you can listen to that. And I go into great detail about the judgment seat of Christ. But it's all about rewards for faithfulness, faithful service and use of our gifts and talents. So let's serve him with all joy and happiness remembering his awesomeness and living for his pleasure so that we will each hear him say to us, well done.
good and faithful servant. I want to hear those two words so desperately. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray that you do too. Hallelujah. There are more beauties of grace yet to come as we continue in this series. And I pray that these have been a blessing to you thus far and that you can join us again for future episodes of our Beauty of Grace series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.